Hey everyone, you're listening to another episode of the AER Podcast. On this week, uh, month's episode, we got Mike Segalink from uh, Graco High Performance Coatings and Foam. Uh, Gre- uh, Mike's been with the uh, with Graco for uh, almost three decades and just has a ton of knowledge. And I think you guys will find this um, this episode of the podcast really interesting, just because he knows the product and he knows the company so well. Uh, he's been our um, Graco rep for about five years now. Um, on his second stint for about five years, he was uh, uh, previously our rep as well. Uh, so we'll just dive right into it. He's got some exciting uh, tips and recommendations on the equipment, but uh, he also just talks about uh, how he got into uh, how he got to where he is uh, at Graco today. Um, before we get started on this podcast, let me tell you about air-equipment.com. Uh, we carry Graco uh, spray foam equipment as well as uh, other finishing equipment from brands such as DeVilbis, Binks, uh, Klimco, Bullard, and PMC. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, right now my listeners get a special promo code. Uh, if you use promo code AERPOD, that's A-E-R-P-O-D at checkout, you're going to get 10% off your first order. Uh, keep in mind that all online orders of $50 or more also include free ground shipping to the continental U.S. So you're going to get 10% off with the uh, promo code AERPOD at checkout, and then you're also going to get free ground shipping if you spend over $50, so it's a really good deal. Um, and now, let's dive right into it on this week's ep- or, sorry, this month's episode of the AER Podcast. everyone, welcome back to another episode of the AER Podcast. I'm here with Mike Segling from Graco. How's it going, Mike? Going great. Thanks for uh, joining me. I know Absolutely. squeezing me in on a Friday morning. <laughs> well, Fridays are normally a good day to do it, trying to wind down for the weekend. That's good. Um, so we jump right into it. I know Graco's a big company. Uh, what is your title? Or what division are you over? I am the senior area sales manager for uh, Graco's High Performance Coatings and Foam Group, uh, and I cover most of Texas with the exception of the Gulf Coast and uh, anything below uh, New Mexico. Also cover Colorado, Utah, or not Utah, I'm sorry, that was an old uh, old past life, um, Colorado, Oklahoma, Kansas, Arkansas, and I uh, little sliver of uh louisiana cool i mean we you've been our uh, he, you've been our rep for about what five years now four maybe longer uh five years and actually i first started uh calling on air equipment in 2007 did that for a couple of years and uh then moved on to a different division of graco which uh, air equipment didn't really uh sell too many of their products that's a lubrication division and then you came back. Yep, did that for five years, was North American sales manager in that group, and uh, came back to this group. Uh, just uh, needed to take a, a a bit of a purposeful step back in my career in order to uh, spend a little more time with my family and uh, and uh, things like that. Okay. Um, and how long have you been overall with Graco? Uh, be 24 years on September 20th. Wow. Spent the uh, first 11 years with uh, the contractor equipment division, started in Los Angeles, 
Stayed there about eight months before moving back to my old stomping grounds in the Pacific Northwest. I spent about 11 years in Seattle and then took a transfer to Austin, Texas in 2007 uh, to the High Performance Coatings and Foam Group. Did that for two and a half years and then uh, was a North American sales manager in our lubrication products group for five years before returning to this group in 2015. Great. so how'd you end up with Graco? Was it a first job out of college for? It was actually my third meaningful job out of college. Uh, I worked for Tenneco, uh, which is Tennessee oil and gas pipeline. Uh, I worked for their automotive parts division for about five and a half years. Uh, about a year out of, started that about a year after college. And then, uh, didn't, like I said, did that for five and a half years. Uh, headhunter called me up and, uh, told me about Graco and uh, took the took the interview and uh, rest is history yeah now, how was it making that leap from lubrication to the high performance coatings did you see a big difference in the like learning curve I guess for the equipment well since I'd had been there uh, a couple of years prior to going to lubrication it, it was just a matter of uh, getting back up to speed on the products that we'd come out with since 2010. Uh, the biggest difference you see is the, uh, the channel of distribution. Lubrication products has somewhere in the neighborhood of about 1,100 distributors in North America. So there's a lot of distributors. Uh, it's a very segmented market. Uh, there's no real, dom- no real dominant players in the market nationally. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the, uh, coming back over here, the uh, dis- distribution tends to be more regionalized uh, just due to the nature of the equipment. It be- is more technical, so you require more local support. So it's not as, as plug-and-play as other uh, products Graco, Graco sells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've noticed that uh, definitely on the service side for especially the foam equipment. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really got to know what you're doing or you can mess stuff up pretty bad. <laughs> well, like I tell contractors when I talk to them that uh, the best thing they can do is uh, buy from a local distributor because if they're brand new into the industry, there's probably about a 95% chance something's going to go wrong in the first few weeks of operation. So uh, it's always best to have some local support that they can either bring their rig into or the distributor can visit them on a job site and service it uh, that way you're back up and running and you're not trying to troubleshoot over the phone because uh, I found that trying to troubleshoot over the phone can uh, often lead to frustration. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, so do you, do you go on job sites a lot now or not really anymore because that's more of what us distributors are supposed to be doing, I guess. But Graco has taken the approach that we want to uh, – own the end user, and that re- does require a lot of job site visits, calls on end users. Part of that is is to uh, have the focus that it's much easier for us as a company to uh, have our products sold if they go into our distribution and ask specifically for Graco products versus uh, giving them an application and leaving it up to somebody to uh, present options. It's always better to have somebody go in and, and say, I want Graco. Uh, so, yeah, it does involve a lot of uh, end-user calls, and we do run campaigns at uh, certain times of the year where we blitz end-users just to uh, keep the end-users in line with uh, what Graco, 
uh, has what new products Rayco has in the market or what we're looking to do in the market is, or programs that uh, we're looking to promote. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, and user focus is a big, uh, big uh, thing for us. Uh, branching off of that, I would actually like to ask you a question um, that just popped into my head because um, do you know much about the Graco rewards? Because that's something that us as distributors have been, it's kind of hard to relay to the uh, end user mm-hmm. on what they kind of gain out of that. Yeah, it's, a, it's an end user program that uh, rewards frequent purchasers of our product. They earn points based on uh, purchases from distributors. Uh, towards trips, free goods, uh, 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 freebies, hats, all the way. There's an entire catalog in which they can, uh, which they can pick from. Uh, it's a, you know, I, unfortunately, I don't know if the uh, participation in that uh, program has been real high on the end user level. I would have to say mostly because, uh, end users are out there hustling and, and, uh, don't want one more thing to, uh, occupy their minds so they tend to shove it back in the recesses of their uh their collective thinking and uh we don't uh we probably don't have the uh participation that we'd like but it is a it is a good program for those that are using it they uh can earn american express gift certificates like i said travel freebies so it's, it's a good program if it's utilized properly american express gift certificates that you can use to buy more parts <laughs> exactly <laughs> um so sorry, I just that popped into my head, and I we have a hard time explaining it to the end user because we don't really know much about it, and you know I've had a couple people ask me about it. Yeah. Um. One thing I did want to talk about because we've noticed a lot of people getting um, excited about the uh, those new T three pumps. So do you know how that came to be, and then you know what are the kind of the benefits of using them? Well, part of the reason it came to be is because, uh, one, we needed lower cost options on our transfer pumps. So we came out with a carbon steel version of the T3, which gives them the uh, output and pressure of a T2, a little bit higher pressure than a T2, but uh, is, is a little more cost effective than the T2. Another thing is that uh, air consumption, particularly on a mobile spray rig, is of, of concern. And uh, the T3 allows the uh, operator to get adequate pressure going into the reactor uh, without with lower air consumption. So they're conserving air consumption in the process. And, and just because they got so many things that are running off of air in that trailer, you know, the reactor system has a component for air. You got uh, your agitators, you got your pumps that are running on air. So you want to try to conserve uh, air consumption where possible. So it gives them, give them the opportunity to do that. Okay. And then another thing I've noticed on those, uh, so that air motor is a Merc- Mercure air motor, right? Yes. Yep. So I've been with air equipment for going on 10 years now, mm-hmm. and we've never, on, and we handle the paint sprayers and the T3s. And we've never once had to repair one of those Mercure air motors. Yep, they're, they're that solid. Yeah, they they're based off of a platform that were developed about it was developed about probably 15 years ago now. Um, that utilizes an air valve uh, switchover on the air motor, and it's a very simple design, very bulletproof, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, we haven't had any issues with them. Yep. Um, so if we want to move further along, just keep keeping the conversation about the equipment. Uh, I know 
they've been around the market for a while, but the Reactor 2s, what uh, what benefits do the customer or the end user get versus the uh, old-style reactors? Well, I think you get, first of all, you get a lot more reportability. Um, the uh, Reactor 2s allow you to, there's a, there's a number of different ways in which you can monitor um, spraying parameters. Most rudimentary would be there's a, uh, a USB port in which you can uh, download all the spray data and uh, it can be analyzed. It's, it's a very helpful uh, troubleshooting mechanism, particularly for our uh, tech support crew in Minneapolis. Uh, what they'll generally do is ask the end user to download, uh, do a data download on their reactor. It dumps it into a CSV uh, file, which is uh, readable via an Excel spreadsheet. They can email that file into our tech support, and tech support is looking for anomalies in uh, in what's going on in their machines and can give them troubleshooting protocols. Uh we were running a, uh, it's called Insight. <clears throat> what that was, it was a uh, remote reporting capability. It uh, was a actual hardware add-on to the reactors that allowed the end user to monitor not just one, but all of their spray rigs. It had a uh, GPS component to it. It allowed owners to see what their crews were doing. It allowed them to see where they, the crews were and, uh, whether or not uh, you know the machines were running, and uh, whether they were running properly in order to ensure uh, proper application of either foam or coatings, and then lastly, uh, due to technology, and it's mostly the, mostly uh, the cellular technology. The uh, Insight was based on three G uh, communications, uh, right. and uh, early part of next year, early to mid part of next year, a lot of the uh, cellular companies are going to be shutting down their 3G towers. So as a result, we had to find a better platform that in which uh, we could allow the end user to monitor their equipment uh, over existing uh, technology. So what we did is we came out with a an app-based uh uh, program that can go on any smartphone, whether they be Android, iOS, uh, and uh, you can even uh, they can even monitor um, uh, they can monitor all of their spray rigs just like they could with Insight. This operates on 4G technology, so we got several more years of life out of that. Uh, and they're adding they continue to add uh, reporting capabilities to that uh, app, as well as. Uh, there, uh, which allows the uh, contractor to analyze his spray data. Part of that's important is because the uh, EPA, particularly in spray foam, is getting more into um, making sure. Uh, oh, <laughs> that was something on the computer. <laughs> um, it, it allows them, or it's uh, the EPA is getting more into spray foam application and making sure everything's done on ratio to prevent off-gassing into living spaces. So it allows for accountability purposes and uh, auditability. It allows them to show a job report and all the spray parameters just to show that everything was applied uh, per manufacturer specifications in the chemical. Right. Okay. Um, so if we want to circle back to the uh, to being out in the job sites, uh, I know the spray foam world 
And I know that's not just what you cover, but mm-hmm. that seems to be you. You can see some crazy stuff out there. Uh, you have any stories about being out on the job site you'd like to share on anything uh, you've seen? Probably one of the. Uh, <clears throat> it was kind of a uh, was a little bit of frustration on my part. I was uh, out in a seeing an end user. It was a uh, they. It was wasn't. Uh, spray foam or uh, polyurea related. It was our protective coating. So they were running a couple of our XP units. And I walked out, walked into the shop, and they were having all sorts of problems, that staying on ratio. And I looked at the machines, and they had two XP units. And they had basically containment vessels under them that had just filled up with sludge. And I said, you know, that's you shouldn't need those. And he said, well, we, we have since the beginning and we service our units every, uh, every, every month. And I was thinking, well, if you service your units every month, you shouldn't have to have, uh, any type of containment, but containment vessels to catch all the stuff running out of the machine. Cause there shouldn't be thing, anything running out of the machine. And to this day, I, I could probably walk back into that shop and they still have them. And, uh, they just maintain that they still, re- they, uh, they service those, uh, rebuild those uh, pumps once a month. I guess whatever floats your boat, right? Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But uh, then you run run across, uh, you know, it, particularly uh, trying to troubleshoot over the phone. I'll get a call from a a guy on a uh, job site, and one of the funniest ones is a guy uh, was complaining that his his machine wouldn't work at all, and I. You know, I, I, I don't want to belittle anyone, but uh, usually one of the first questions I ask is, uh, is your power supply on? Because when I first started with Graco, I ran across a situation where I was talking to a guy and he was kind of looking at the his system and and he kind of was like, oh, never mind, because uh, he actually forgot to plug the unit in. Well, that'll be <laughs> that'll do it every time. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, but man, talking over the phone, I don't do troubleshooting because I'm in sales, but Calvin, he could talk to you all day about that. Oh, yeah. He's actually out on service call right now. That's why he's not here. Yeah. But um, uh, so if there's someone on the fence about choosing Graco or versus maybe a competitor, what would you say? Why should you choose Graco over someone else? Well, uh, since I've been with Graco, like I said, I'm going on 24 years now. Um Graco spends a lot of they, they reinvest a lot in their business. Uh, I think the last I read is they they plow about four and a half to five percent of revenues back in R and D. That that's about three times what our peer groups in the industry are. So we're constantly upgrading, trying to make systems better. The big focus for uh, Graco is to try to build features into our equipment that allow um, the contractor to keep spraying because uh, what when I was in a previous division, uh, we did an analysis and found out that for every hundred dollars in uh, in repair costs on a on a paint sprayer, the contractor was losing about seven hundred dollars in productivity. So, probably taken to the next step uh, in this type of business, it'd probably be a lot more. So what we try to do is build in features that allow easy field troubleshooting, uh, easy repair in the field, and this is all to keep the contractor 
productive mm-hmm. because particularly in some of these uh, these more technology-based coatings and, and foam, these guys aren't going to have a spare unit just sitting around. Uh, they're stuck with that unit, and they, if they don't get it up and running quickly, they uh, they could be in trouble because they're going to start losing uh, losing a lot of productivity. And you know, a lot of these job sites, they have to be they got a finite window as to when they need to be in and out of the out of the uh, off the job site. So. Uh, Graco does a great job of reinvesting in the business, uh, putting features into their equipment, support. We got a, we got a lot of support mechanisms. Uh, the primary, our front lines is going to be our distribution. Um, a lot of our distributors know more about the equipment and deal with it more regularly than, than even I do. And so we rely on their knowledge base, and that's mainly why I tell end users to uh, buy locally because they're going to have that that level of support right there for them. Well, I'll I'll toot Charles Horn a little bit too because uh, what I like from my perspective is if someone asks me a question that I don't know the answer to, whether I'm having to call customer service or tech support. I don't get a voicemail when I call. I mm-hmm. talk to a person, yep. you know, and I get more than uh, more often than not, I get an answer right then. And if they have to call me back, it might take an hour or two. But, I mean, we get answers. And then from a um, lead time standpoint, you guys generally have everything in stock ready to go. I mean, even if I've got a customer that needs a reactor in three days, yep. you know, and I don't have it here, I can ship it to them or bring it in here and you got – I mean, I think I ordered one a couple weeks ago, and they shipped it out same day, and I got it three days later from mini from Minneapolis. You know, it's crazy. But. Yeah, we. I mean, we are a world class manufacturer, and that's one of the things we do like to tout is that, and when we bring distributors and and end users or anyone else into our facilities up in uh, Minneapolis, we like to take them on a uh, a tour of all of our facilities because uh, I think it's it's very impressive. I mean, not only from the standpoint of the manufacturing, but just the cleanliness and the way things operate. And we're introducing a lot of robotics uh, into our into our manufacturing, as well as parts picking. Uh, we got uh, robots that actually we got racks that go floor to ceiling, and the the robots actually go up and pick the parts and dump them into a uh, tote, and then uh, runs down the line and gets put into packaging, shipped out. So there's a lot of uh, uh, ways in which we uh, uh, try to reduce cost uh, internally and try to keep our costs low, uh, you know, to our to our end users. Great. Um, anything else you got? Or I think mm-hmm. we touched pretty much everything, huh? Yep, I think so. All right. Uh, before I let you go, if you guys need any uh, high-performance coatings or spray foam parts or equipment from Graco, just call Air Equipment. Uh, Not to mention gonna... blasting equipment. Blasting equipment, too, yes. <laughs> yeah. We didn't even touch on that. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you want to talk about EcoEquipment sure. at all? Sure, yeah. One of the other, uh, par- the other uh, product lines we've taken on uh, over the last few years is, uh, and it goes well with our uh, our protective coatings business, uh, industrial grade epoxies and urethanes is our, uh, we bought a company called EcoQuip and what it is, it's vapor abrasive blasting, which takes dry blasting, mixes it with water, 
the advantage of that is it uh, reduces dust on a job site. Uh, it uh, actually, because of the way that the the media is encapsulated in water, it actually uh, increases striking force. So you're getting a lot more, um, you know, equal production to uh, to dry blasting with a fraction of the dust. Uh, we have a dust suppression report that uh, shows about 92 to 93 percent dust suppression versus traditional dry blasting. Uh, it, like I said, it goes well with our protective coatings because one of the uh, one of the uh, benchmarks as to how a coating actually performs is going to be surface preparation. If the surface is prepped uh, properly, that coating will generally last for years. A case in point is I uh, have blasted polyurea off of steel and with one of our EcoQuip units. And really, once you, on an improperly prepped uh, surface, once you dig through the initial coating, it comes off in sheets. But uh, a friend of mine had a, he blasted a pretty good chunk of steel and uh, put a good surface anchor profile on it and then sprayed a polyurea on it. And I blasted that thing for probably better part of half an hour and pr- probably only uh, cleared a few inches off of it. So it's uh, surface preparation is is uh, critical as far as high performance coatings, and so that it fits nicely within our line. Great, yeah, I didn't even I, that slipped my mind. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, well, Mike, thanks for joining me. Thank and, you very uh, much. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you on the next podcast. from could be anywhere America population 403 just keep going till you see that pump jack take a left where Gunny's feed store used to be Paul sent me in to get his liquor Cause the truck would die if he let off of the clutch Back then I didn't know the towns got bigger Back then I didn't worry about that much Riding shotgun meant you gotta get the gate My cousins all came over on Thanksgiving We'd get hollered at to go outside and play Past the Cottonwood was a touchdown Uncle Charlie's truck was out of bounds Two in touch, but we tackled anyway when it gets dark and nothing's open in town We all loaded up and drove around Riding shotgun meant you gotta get the gate Daddy worked hard every 
pass Cause the ones that drive too fast Do break you From could be 